With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the OBB Fins Pod, the most unfiltered Miami Dolphins podcast around. Here's your host, John Michaels. Well, and it's once again time for another OBB Fins Pod. It's your boy, John Michaels, hanging out with the OBB, my Orange Bowl boys crew, getting you ready for another wrap-up of what was a great week number six for the Miami Dolphins as they improve to 5-1 and one on the year with a 42-21 victory over the Carolina Panthers. We got some stuff we'll dive into. We always do the good, the bad, and the ugly. The MVP race in the NFL is heating up, and one guy from the Dolphins is right at the top. Really, two guys from the Dolphins could be right at the top as there is a guy right now on pace to have about 7,000 receiving yards, give or take. We'll dive into the touchdown production on the ground from this football team. Look ahead to what could be a huge week to kind of figure out where you are. We'll bounce around the NFL. We'll take a look at some of the other stuff that's going on there. And we'll dive into what is ahead on the schedule for this football team as they continue to make their ascent atop the NFL. We'll dive into the recap here in just a moment. But got to make sure you guys follow the podcast at OBB Fins, at OBB Fins, F-I-N-S. Trying to get some more interaction on there on the X or the Twitter or whatever the hell you call it as of right now. And just trying to get all of you Dolphin fans to tell Other friends, I know I got a bunch of you listening to the podcast, a bunch of your friends, go ahead and, you know, get on board. Get on board with the podcast. Tell your friends to get on board with the podcast, and let's keep this thing growing. Sponsors like the fact that we have engagements. We'd like to have even more, but let's dive into what happened yesterday as the Miami Dolphins win 42-21 to over the Carolina Panthers, and let's be real. This was not the start that the Dolphins wanted at all. Carolina gets the, or excuse me, Dolphin. Yeah, Carolina gets the opening ball. They end up punting. Dolphins go three and out. They end up punting. And then Carolina marches right down the field behind the ground game of Chuba Hubbard for a 7-0 lead. Dolphins then go three, three plays, one yard, punt again. And Carolina once again goes 10 plays, 74 yards, mix of the pass and the run. Bryce Young finds Adam Thielen for a touchdown, and it's 14 to nothing. And at that point, you're looking at Vic Fangio, and you're going, what the fuck are you doing? Like, for real. This is Carolina with a rookie quarterback. I know Adam Thielen's had a resurgence of a year right now at wide receiver, but this is a team without many weapons. DJ Chark, eh. Um, Chuba Hubbard, whatever. You know, not a great offensive line. They do have a solid defense, so you figure they'd come out and give the Dolphins some problems early on. But this offense is one that if you put pressure on Bryce Young, they really are going to fold under pressure. I watched them in the opener against Atlanta. They had 10 points. I think they had one real touchdown drive, and the rest was absolutely nothing, a bunch of turnovers and a bunch of other stuff to go there. So you look at that football team and you go, holy crap, we're up 14 nothing." And when you looked around what happened in the NFL yesterday, it felt like Groundhog Day. Like anything that could go wrong would go wrong. We'll get into the Eagles and the 49ers, the Buffalo Bills, what those teams did 
a day ago. But for the Dolphins down 14 nothing, this felt like, oh, no, you cannot lose to a team that you have no business losing to. Well, guess what? Then the offense came alive. You had a quick drive. Uh, about three minutes and 50 seconds, eight plays, 75 yards right down the field. Tua finds Raheem Mostert for a touchdown, and you get the game to 14-7. Carolina goes four and out. They actually go seven plays. They turn it over on downs, realizing, and I think Frank Reich realized early, we're going to have to score every time that we have it. He was unable to do it. You have Raheem Mostert with a long run, then Raheem Mostert up the middle, and then Tua Tungavailoa on a bootleg action finds Jalen Waddle. Now, he kind of screwed Tyreek Hill and fantasy users that have Tyreek Hill. Hill is butt naked open right in front of him, and it's almost like uh, Jalen's going, wait a second, what about me? I haven't scored the amount of touchdowns that uh, Tyreek has had throughout the year, and Tua found him, kind of threw back across his body. We were able to do the waddle. We saw the Ross family up in the booth doing the waddle, and I thought it was pretty damn cool to see the owner, and I'm assuming his wife, getting down and having a good time to Jalen Waddle. 14-14 at that point, and you felt like the dam was about to break for the Carolina Panthers. Panthers would go quickly, three and out, have to punt the football right back to the Dolphins, and then once again right down the field, boom, boom, boom. Dolphins go down the field. They find Salvin Ahmad um, down to get it close, and then Tyreek Hill, 41 yards on a third down and eight. And I don't understand. Like, I've watched a lot of football. I have covered a lot of football in my life. Why in the hell would you ever go single coverage on Tyreek Hill. Like there's never a time third and one, fourth and 17, first and 28. I'm not going single coverage on this guy. There is not a defensive back in this league in a one-on-one scenario that can cover him. Carolina, I'm not sure if they were supposed to have safety help over the top. I don't know if they were watching video of the University of Miami safeties on Saturday night against North Carolina who were jumping routes and getting completely out of commission. But you go one-on-one, and it's like Tua, he just has that innate ability to feel it one-on-one. And then you have Kevin Harlan. He's got Tyreek Hill. He's got Tyreek Hill. And down the field you go for an easy touchdown, and it's 21-14. to And you felt like right then the game is over. Uh, Carolina would go down and miss a field goal from about 43 yards. Uh, I think it was the first miss of the year for Eddie Pinheiro. Dolphins come out in the second half, have to punt. Um, You have Carolina having to punt as well, and then the game completely is out of reach right from there. Dolphins go up and take a 28-14 lead, and the play design that Mike McDaniel comes up with. Down by the goal line, you have single receiver to the bottom of the screen. You have twins up at the top, single back, Tua in a pistol formation and a tight end on the field. You have the inside receiver who is Durham Smythe run orbit motion in behind Raheem Mostert, but he's running the motion basically just to be a lead blocker. I was showing this to some of the guys I work with on the radio, and they have never seen that design out of a play caller. All it was basically is a toss sweep that ends up in a passing formation. You think about that for a second. The toss sweep action was pretty simple. You had Smythe coming in an orbit motion, basically coming out as a lead blocker. You quick throw it out to Raheem Mostert. Smythe takes out the one backer who would normally cover Mostert, and guess what? It's a walk-in touchdown. And that is what Mike McDaniel does so much better than maybe anybody in the NFL not named Kyle Shanahan. And I know he comes from the Kyle Shanahan tree. It's finding easy plays, easy throws, easy way to get your playmakers the ball. And it's flat-out amazing when you watch this happen. I mean, seriously, that's a play that I, I work with guys that played in the NFL upwards of 10 years, and they've never seen. 
we cover other teams around the NFL, and it feels like other teams are literally pulling teeth to come up with first downs, pulling teeth to find ways to get any kind of action down the field. And the Dolphins aren't having that problem. I mean, it is literally as easy as can be finding different ways to go out and get your playmakers the ball. Guess what? Carolina turns it over on downs once again. They try to go for it down at the Dolphins 24 because, again, down a couple of scores you got to. And then the Dolphins just massacre them down the field. Raheem Mostert scores a touchdown. It's 35-14. Carolina would get an interception return for a touchdown, but the Dolphins would go down and score once again behind Chris Brooks on this one. And Ahmed gets the touchdown, and it's 42-21. So what would you get here? If you took the over for the Dolphins, you got the win. If you took the minus 13.5 for the Dolphins, as I did, you cashed checks. Cha-ching. You took care of a bad football team the way that you were supposed to. Yeah, there was adversity early on. There were things early on you looked at Vic Fangio and you go, what the hell are we doing? I have always attributed some things to very simply being human nature. And I know folks don't want to agree with that. But I don't give a damn if you're an 18-year-old college football player, a 14-year-old high school football player, a 10-year-old Pop Warner football player, or if you're somebody you know, close to to 30 years old in the NFL. Human nature is when you play a bad team, you don't always put your best effort forward. I don't know why that happens. I coach in my free time, and I've had to tell my kids in the past, go out and dominate a game early so we can get your backups in late. Go out and play the way, play like this is for a championship and then go out and get your kids in later. That's what I really feel should happen with football teams. Unfortunately for the Dolphins yesterday, it felt like they were sleepwalking a little bit. The other human nature side of things is pretty simple. There are teams that get up and play above their pay grade when they play against better teams. Carolina's the only winless team in the NFL, so I'm not going to laud this victory like, oh my God, you've turned out to be the best team in the NFL because you blew out the Panthers. No, you did exactly what you were supposed to do. But I guarantee Frank Reich and Bryce Young and those guys got off the bus and go, we could be the talk of Sports Center today. Maybe they don't say those exact words, but you know what I mean. We can shock the world. And when they say they can shock the world, they come out and they play above their pay grade. I've always said in the NFL, you got to find 10 guys on the 53-man roster that far exceed their pay grade, that are guys that go out and week in and week out, you're paying them $900,000 or whatever it may be, and they step up and they make monster plays over and over and over again. You look at the Dolphins yesterday, four sacks. Zach Sealer, a guy that for a long time played above his pay grade. Christian Wilkins yesterday uh, was looking at the Dolphins and saying, give me this damn long-term extension and let's go. Bradley Chubb, welcome back to the NFL. It's nice to have you there getting things done. David Long comes up with 11 total tackles. Dolphins had nine quarterback hits, including Jalen Phillips. Welcome back to 2023 for the Dolphins. You're somebody we're going to need moving forward. But I think Carolina played really hard until they realized we can't guard these guys at all. Nothing we can do defensively, nothing we can do on the offensive side that's really going to threaten Miami. And let's be honest, outside of uh, New England holding you in check for a little while in a game, and Los Angeles going back and forth early on. The only team that's given the Dolphins any problem is Buffalo. And I think Buffalo, again, looked at that as their Super Bowl. And I'm sorry I sound like crap today 
The fall cold has kicked in immediately. I have no voice. I'm screaming at the TV. I'm yelling at the baseball playoffs. I'm doing whatever I can, getting ready for heat basketball. But, you know, mostly yesterday, sitting back pretty chill, just hoping my 13 and a half was able able to get covered. I was able to do that. By the way, I got something really cool that I want to throw into the podcast. Homefields.com. Homefields.com. Something I'm doing outside of just the podcast. But I want you guys to go online and check that out homefields.com good friends of mine locally uh own and operated american company that makes field replica stadiums that light up their unbelievable christmas gifts if you get a chance use the promo code jm99 jm99 on homefields.com great christmas gift they've got hard rock stadium They've got the old Orange Bowl. They've got whatever stadium, you know, if you if you want Marlins Stadium, they have that. If you want Yankee Stadium, it doesn't matter. They have all of them. But check them out, homefields.com. JM99 will be the promo code. Good thing for the Dolphins is you almost had some help yesterday, and then unfortunately you didn't. You bounce around what happened in the AFC East, and, you know, we'll get into some MVP conversation and we'll get into what the upcoming schedule is looking like. But if you bounce around the AFC East yesterday, you saw Buffalo last night absolutely struggle. They end up winning the football game, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that the Giants are just idiots. And we'll get into coaching malfeasance uh, here in just a moment. Uh, the Giants had coaching malfeasance. 6 nothing game heading to half. They get a pass interference in the end zone with 14 seconds left. Down by the goal. So it's first and goal at the one, 14 seconds left, and they have zero timeouts. What does that mean? If you're going to run the ball, you damn well better get in the end zone because you will not have time to get up and spike the football. The last thing you want to have happen is walk away with zero points. What do the Giants do? They run an off-tackle play. From what I can understand, looking at Brian Dable, it was supposed to be a run-pass option of some sort, and Tyrod Taylor audibled it into the run play, thinking they had the numbers on the right side. They did not. Buffalo stands up. You're unable to get a field goal. Guess what? It's 6 nothing at halftime. How does that manifest itself? You get later on in the game. It's 14-9. to So instead of it being 14-12 to and you only need a field goal to win, you need a touchdown. They do not come up with a touchdown. And Buffalo pulls away and wins 14-9. to I am a guy that really gets pissed off at coaches that just don't understand how simple it is. On that play, you run a pass play with one option. If it ain't open, you chuck it into the stands. We're going to kick the field goal, and we're going to have a two-possession lead. And I'm sure that's what Brian Dable said, but for some reason he gave the option. And again, this was my assumption, just trying to be a lip reader as he's walking off the field on Sunday Night Football. Some reason... You give the option to add a run play into this, which is stupid. It's the dumbest thing I've seen. It's the dumbest thing I've seen since Mario Cristobal forgot to take a knee a week ago for the U. But this is coaching malfeasance. This is coaching blunders. This is how guys get fired. And I do have a problem with this. When you have guys that are making millions of dollars to run a franchise, and I'm going to keep it as real with you as I can, coaching is probably the hardest profession in all of sports. Your shelf life is a couple of years, usually. Um, you've got a bunch of grown multimillionaires 
who want to win, but they're sometimes they're not going to respect what you have to say. You have a billionaire owner that's putting pressure on you. You have hundreds of thousands of fans that analyze every move that you've ever made, even though they may not know a hill of beans. And judging by arguing with a lot of people on social media, there are a lot of people that have no idea what's going on in sports, which is part of why I don't go out to watch games unless I'm going actually to a physical game. I won't go sit in a sports bar and argue with people anymore because I just don't want to. And I'm not saying I know more about football than you guys do because I don't half the time sometimes I do um but I don't need to hear stupid takes I was laughing at my buddy Mondo Mondo's always like oh no I got to go to the barber shop and hear guys in skinny jeans making stupid uh yeah, giving stupid sports opinions I hear those at the gym all the time imagine what these coaches deal with when you pick up the newspaper and you see some pencil neck dork who writes and questions every move you made. You see Jimmy who works at AT AT&T who wants to yell at you about things like all of this different stuff have happened. Like all of this different stuff are things that happen to coaches, but there are times that people make absolute stupid decisions. And what happened yesterday for Brian Dable is an absolute stupid decision, and it cost your team a win. What it also did was cost the Dolphins a game in the loss column for Buffalo. You know, you've got a game lead, but Buffalo right now has the tiebreaker. Had the Giants just done what they were supposed to do, you'd have a two-game lead over the entire division and you'd have games in hand. You know, you're 3-1 and one in conference, so you have that tiebreaker. You are 1-1 one one in division, which everybody in the division is 1-1. One one. But you would have had a two-game lead. But, of course, the Giants wet the bed and could not get the job done. We'll handle Buffalo on our own. Coming up later on in the season, I see Bills fans always out over their skis. We kicked your ass the first time. You did. That's awesome. Good job. You beat the Dolphins. You know what? Put your first Super Bowl ring on. Oh, wait, you don't have any of those because you've choked away multiple time and time and time again. And I get it. We haven't won a Super Bowl since the 70s. We haven't won a Super Bowl since before I was born. So I have a hard time as a fan going, oh, we've got two. My rule of fandom, and I don't know about you guys, but my rule of fandom is pretty simple. If you weren't alive to see the ring, you can't count the ring. Like, I have problems with Yankee fans. We have 27 championships. Yeah, but 20 of them were back in the 20s and 30s. Like, who gives a shit? You know, as a Dolphin fan, I don't run around. We, we've got two. Now, I will say, hey, we're the only franchise that has a perfect season. And by the way, as we continue to bounce around the NFL, we'll have time to celebrate that here in just a moment. But I can't claim the 72 and 73 Super Bowls. I personally can't because I wasn't born until 1974. We have to be alive to see these. Bills fans, guess what? Nobody in your fan base has ever been alive to see a damn Super Bowl. So it doesn't matter what you want to claim. I get it. Your Super Bowl was three weeks ago in Buffalo. There's your golf clap. Good for you. We'll see you at the end of the year. Hopefully the division's wrapped up by then and you'll get to see Mike White or something like that as an ultimate fuck you to the Buffalo Bills fans. Elsewhere, Jets. I got to give them credit where it's due. The Jets won a game they had no business winning yesterday. And Zach Wilson, you know, we talk about it, uh, not a good quarterback. They really need Aaron Rodgers. Defensively, there's some dogs. And they were able to shut down the Eagles and come back and win 20-14 to 14 was the final score. They pick off Jalen Hurts three times. Zach Wilson only throws for 186 yards, but they do just enough to win the football game. Greg Zerline had four field goals. Uh, they get a touchdown and a two-point conversion, and guess what? The Jets sit at 3-3. Three and three. Stupidest thing of all, the New York Jets are literally 2-0 and against the Bills and the Eagles, two of the best teams 
around the NFL. Now, the Patriots, they patrioted. They lose again, uh, 21-17, and that was to a backup quarterback as Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt there. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I know the conversation is continuing about, is Mac Jones a starter? The answer is no. Is Bailey Zappi a starter? No. I think New England is going to get to a point, and it's not even that they're going to try to tank. They're just going to tank because they're not very good. I could see the Patriots right now at 1-5. and five. Second worst record in the league. And you think about it, Carolina will not draft a quarterback number one next year if they finish with the worst record. Here's the teams with the worst records. Arizona. They have a Kyler Murray discussion because of the big deal that he's under. But I could easily see them saying, look, we'll trade Kyler for whatever. The Chicago Bears are 1-5. and five. Justin Fields is under contract. I don't believe they picked up the fifth-year option. So you're talking about a guy that could be there for a while or could be out. Minnesota's 2-4. and four. Kirk Cousins will not be their quarterback moving forward after this year. I can almost bet dollars to donuts with that. Giants are 1-5. They have a Daniel Jones issue, but they just have a, a general talent issue. Jones really is under contract through next year, and then they could get out from under him. Would they draft another quarterback and have him sit a year behind Daniel Jones? Who knows? Elsewhere, you look at Denver's 1-5. Russell Wilson's under a big old deal. Sean Payton, and that thing is not working at all. I don't understand what's going on. I thought, truthfully, they'd be better than they are. And then the argument with Steve Smith and Jerry Judy was absolutely comical this week. And then you have New England. So there's your teams down at the bottom. A bunch of those teams could need quarterbacks. So would New England tank? Would that get Bill Belichick to stick around a little bit further? Who knows? All I know is the Patriots are one of the worst teams in the NFL. The Jets are better just defensively than anybody thought they would be. Uh, And if they had Aaron Rodgers, I know Aaron Rodgers was out on the field throwing. I still don't see any way that this guy gets back before it's all said and done. But we'll find out. Congratulations to your 1972 Miami Dolphins, who once again on August the 15th were able to pop champagne in the year 2023, 41, is that 41 or 51? Holy cow, my math is bad. Is that 51 years later, still the only undefeated team in the history of the NFL? Now, I saw Vegas yesterday, took an absolute bath because a lot of people, I have found this something that's fascinating. A lot of people are taking like a $100 bet, and they're betting like seven or eight or nine like big favorites and coming out and winning a lot of money with these just point no point spread, just simple take the favorite type parlays. Think about some of the upsets that happened yesterday across football. You had first and foremost, you had the 49ers losing to the Browns. They're no longer undefeated. Their kicker, who they drafted in the third round, missed a field goal at the end. Nobody saw that one coming. You also had, uh, we talked about the Jets knocking off the Eagles. So there's two games. Most survivor pools went out the window right there. And I think next week, I'm going to go online and put me one of those $50 super favorite bets and see if I can come up with like a 30 to 1 odd type of victory because I've seen a lot of those things happening but the Dolphins were able to pop champagne there was time that I thought it was hokey there was time that you know I thought the guys sitting there and celebrating that nobody could become undefeated was a little bit hokey but the longer that goes on 
the more I actually appreciate the fact that this group continues to go out. And I didn't see it, and I know a lot of them are not in great health anymore. A lot of them are no longer with us, unfortunately, anymore, as these guys, you know, were in their 20s and 30s back in the 70s. So now where are they at? 70s and 80-year-old. I know Zonka and uh, Greasy were at the game yesterday, which was really cool to see. But either way, um, I thought that was fascinating, fun to watch. Dolphins still going to be the only undefeated team in all of football. Now I got to bring this up only because it happened to a Dolphin fan. I saw this yesterday on social media. And guys, this is the cautionary shoot your shot when you have a chance to have this happen. I know the podcast is mostly Dolphin related, but this is absolutely a Dolphin story that all I could do is shake my head when I saw it. So you looked at this guy. He puts up on social media. He's taking a selfie up in section 347, row five. The homie is his Twitter handle with three eyes for homie. He said, hey, where can I find this girl from section 347, row five. He's got a selfie, uh, an attractive young lady wearing a dolphin hat and an orange tank top, um, you know, and he basically is asking Finn Nation to help him find this girl. Now, a lot of people started asking him, saying, wait a second, dude, you missed your chance. You're sitting there and you took a selfie and you didn't ask her for the number. And he said, oh, it never crossed my mind. Then he goes on later. He said, I was with my boy watching the Dolphins dominate. Then he comes up with some excuse saying, oh, I needed to go to the airport. I got caught up in the moment. To me, it sounded like the homie was a little bit scared. So I know a lot of people were trying to help him. And then somebody responded and said, I'm in direct contact with the infamous Dolphin girl from Section 347. She is quietly observing the chaos from afar. She is enjoying the online hoopla and will surface if the Dolphins take down the Eagles this upcoming Saturday night. So I see a picture with her. Pretty girl. Um, It doesn't sound like she's overly interested, the homie. But this is my life lesson for everybody. Everybody at this point really should know that you need to shoot your shot when it happens. Seriously, you need to shoot your shot when you have a chance. If the chance is there, what is the worst that can happen? Now, being serious, I tell this to my kids all the time. My son is 14, and he's going through the high school, do I have a girlfriend, do I not have a girlfriend, does she like me, does she not like me? And this is something I wish I knew when I was younger because I was a quiet and shy guy. You would never know it. It's somebody who works on the radio and talks more shit than a little bit. I was a quiet and a shy guy. But I learned somewhere about 18 or 19 years old, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And you can't, and this is a basketball analogy, you can't get hot unless you shoot. And you can't stay hot unless you keep shooting. With women and with men alike, if you're a dolphin darling or you're one of the fin, fin ladies that listens, for you guys as well, you never know in this world if this is going to be the only time you see somebody. And this may be your one opportunity. Now, I'm rooting for the homie. The fact that he put himself out there on social media, good for him. You know, it's got to be embarrassing. Vodka Sarah is the one, and I almost want to see if I can find up and see if I can get an interview with her and see if she really is in contact with this girl. Um, I don't know who that may be or who the girl may be, but I'd love to find out if it's her or not. But to my point, if you've got an opportunity 
And typically a woman will give you an inkling if she's interested. If she's smiling with you and taking a picture, she's going to be interested to at least exchange information. And then it's on you to try to figure this thing out. If you can't figure it out from there, you know, it's kind of on you at that point. But if you sit there and you've sat next door or at least close to you've had interaction, you've taken a selfie, and you don't at minimum get the Instagram handle or the Twitter handle or some type of handle, you've screwed up. And asking the internet to help you out, you kind of drop the ball. I'm cheering for you only because I like to see people succeed and become happy. But in a way, uh, you messed up. We've all had it. You've seen a girl at the gym. We've seen a girl at the grocery store. We've seen a girl, I don't know, at a football game, at a tailgate. And I think the rejection possibility scares anybody. But here's what I'll ask the homie. What's the worst she could have said to you? I have a boyfriend. I'm married. I'm not interested. Okay. For you, you got unbelievable Twitter interaction because of this. Maybe this is what you're looking for. Maybe this is all an elaborate scheme. Maybe that's what all of this is. I'm not 100% sure. What it sounds like to me, seriously, uh, it doesn't seem like she's overly interested. If her friend said she's enjoying this and will surface if the Dolphins beat the Eagles, you better hope that the Miami Dolphins take care of the Eagles. That's what you really have to hope for at this point. Now, again, I hope the homie has things go the right way because here's what we come up to in week number seven. Primetime Miami Dolphin football. Primetime Miami Dolphin football. Sunday night, 820, NBC Dolphins-Eagles. Dolphins on the road in a snake pit called Philadelphia. The most miserable fans you will ever run into. I deal with them living in Atlanta as Phillies fans. They are miserable. They're, they burn in my mentions every day. You won't come to Philadelphia. I'm not, I don't give a shit. I've been to Philadelphia multiple times. I've worked games on the sideline. They're just miserable people. So Dolphin fans, go up there, have your head on a swivel. Go up there. Don't go in and try to have engagement because the engagement's going to go sideways. Saul and Vinny and the guys that are working on the boat are going to be ready to kick your ass. Let's go up there, Dolphins, and kick their ass. Defense is going to have to come up and make a big play. Tua's going to have to do what Tua does, and I'd love to see the Dolphins come out of there 6-1. and one. I think I'm going to reach out to Vodka Sarah and see if she'll come on the podcast and have a conversation about uh, her friend in Section 347. That's what I think I'm going to do. Make sure you tell a friend, at OBB Fins, at John Michaels U, Dolphins win again. 42-21, we're 5-1 and one on the year. We'll be back next week. Fins up, hose down. If you can't swim, you're bound to drown. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.